0: <laughs> Dancing is forbidden. Dancing
1: is forbidden. Dancing Dancing is forbidden. Dancing is You who running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. You best believe on this podcast. I am watching through every Aqua Teen episode, and you best believe I am Ronnie, and you best believe today we are talking about Old Drippy.
2: Why well, I give you nine. How about Old Drippy? Since you're dripping on all my stuff.
1: Yes, Old Drippy. This episode came out April 21st, 2002, and this will be our last episode of April 2002, our second and last of the month. As I mentioned in the last episode, full episode I did on space conflict from beyond Pluto this episode was actually a part of the same script this was supposed to be like the b-plot to the story but it was too convoluted too much going on so they split them up into two episodes and I I assume that they like this was like in rough draft form then they split it up and kind of fleshed out both a bit more I I'm not suggesting that this was literally like a 22 minute episode and they split it up or anything like that um, but yeah, Old Drippy was supposed to appear in the Plutonian episode again, I assume, as the B plot, while Meatwad and Frylock were back on Earth and Shake was messing around with the Plutonians. But whoa, 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 I'm getting way ahead of myself. We have a couple other things to talk about here before I get to that good stuff. First of all, thanks everybody for the birthday wishes who reached out to me. I don't know why I was talking about my birthday so much. Like, I don't tell my coworkers it's my birthday. I. Don't really celebrate it. I don't know why I talked about it so much. I'm just like, oh, maybe this is, this is relatable. People might want to hear about this. But <laughs> thank you guys. I had a great time and I really appreciated you guys reaching out to me. I hope I didn't wear out my voice too much today because I was streaming on Twitch earlier for a couple hours. I was playing Last of Us, the first game. I haven't ever played those games before. And a buddy of mine lent me his PS4, so I was able to play it because all my friends are like, oh my God, you haven't played that game yet. What are you doing with your life? You're so pathetic. So I finally got to play it a little bit. I posted about it on Instagram. I'm not going to bring up every time I stream here on, on the podcast, unless it's like an Aqua Teen stream, which I do plan to do. But yeah, thanks uh, everyone who stopped by for that. It was a lot of fun to talk to some of you guys who peeked in to say hello. If you would like to uh, follow me on Twitch, if you're into watching that kind of thing, because I, I will be streaming all of Last of Us and all of Last of Us t- Part 2 when I get to that. Uh, you can find that in the description of this episode. Otherwise, just go twitch.tv slash neely. That is R O N N I E N E E L E Y, and that is all I will say about it. Okay, we do have some Aquatine news, uh, c- a couple current things. So let me hit you guys with those. First of all, <laughs> I'm gonna try and pronounce this. Uh, Du-wop Kane's poop sock. Okay, reached out to me on Instagram, saying this. Let everyone know on the podcast that starting September 22nd, Hardy's, also Carls Jr. and in the South, I think, will be doing promo stuff for Adult Swim T-shirts, little action figures and cups. But I think the T-shirts are for employees only because that's what they've been telling me. I got lucky with one, though. So I have been seeing some of these popping up. So for sure, guys, keep your eyes on Hardee's or Carl's Jr. I think it's the same thing, just different names wherever they are. For some uh, Adult Swim merch, and there's you know some Aqua Teen stuff involved with that. I think I have a Hardee's in my town, but I'm not completely sure. I haven't eaten there. I, I think I do, though. So I'll probably try and check that out and see if I can get something good. But yeah, guys, keep, uh, keep uploading those goodies that you find. I, I really like looking at them on Instagram. So speaking of Instagram, again, if you're not following me, sometimes... This isn't, a, this isn't, hey, you should follow me. I'm just saying, um, that's kind of where I communicate more. And I did mention, as like the previous episode went up, when I said there was no Aqua Teen movie news on Instagram in my story that same day, I said, hey, I just, I just saw on Reddit that Carrie Means, the voice actor for Frylock, his wife posted on Reddit saying that like his voice parts were recorded. And then user, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to pronounce this, uh, Zayous, uh, Z-A-Y-O-U-S-S, reached out to me saying, actually, a few months ago, Dana Snyder revealed on a Cameo video, uh, for those who don't know, Cameo is a website where you can go and basically pay celebrities to record a little video message for you. Usually, you do it for somebody's birthday or whatever. But So yeah, uh, Dana Snyder revealed on a Cameo video that all the lines are recorded. So then she went and sent me this video, so I checked it out. You guys can check the show notes for this episode for a link to this. I'm not going to put the whole thing in because it's like a three minute video, but I will put the little relevant information here. I would suggest you watch the whole video though because, you know, Dana Snyder's hilarious and it's definitely time well spent. Anyways, when this clip comes in, basically Dana's talking it's, it's a cameo for the Reddit page so he's kind of making fun of the Reddit page and saying, like everyone there has horrible taste, obviously tongue-in-cheek because it's an Aqua subreddit and he goes into this
0: uh, discriminating taste on your Reddit feed uh, that no one's heard of we wouldn't be able to do the next movie, which has already been recorded, and you'll be pleased to know I'm going in next week to record some more, but it's all done, and it's going to be ball-kickingly awesome. It's like a real, its us imagine every action movie you've ever seen, and then times it by double.
1: So yeah, that was July 21st, at least it was posted on July 21st of this year, less than two months ago as of this recording, and I'm very excited, so... Yeah, I mean, uh, animation will probably take a hot minute. So I don't know how much news we'll really be getting after that. But hopefully we'll hear something soon. Thank you, Zeus. I really hope I'm saying that right uh, for <laughs> sending that my way. I really appreciate it. Um, and Zeus is actually doing something cool where she is hosting like a Rabot Rebuild thing on Instagram. You can find that on Instagram at rebuilt. So Aqua Teen Hunger Force Rebuilt, but just A-T-H-F Rebuilt, where she split the episode Rabot into 70 segments and is having all different animators remake this short clip in their own style. And then, you know, she'll put it all together. And I'm sure you guys are vaguely familiar with the concept. So if you're an artist, check it out. I do a bit of 3D animating, but it's been like a year or two since I've really got into that. I would like to join, but I think I'm just too busy right now. So for my sake, please join on my behalf. And I would really like to see this episode like remade. That'll be so cool. You guys can, of course, check the show notes for a link to that Instagram page. So up next, listener Josh has a voice message for us. Let's check it out.
3: Hey, man, just wanted to say uh, I love what you're doing with these podcasts. And you're like the first podcast that I actually listen to, I actually enjoy. Uh, I, yeah, I be listening to it at work whenever I don't want to work. I don't really know what else to say, but yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Yeah. Happy birthday. I think tomorrow, Monday, is your birthday, if I remember
1: what you said. Yeah. Josh, thank you so much for taking the time for this very nice message. And of course, thank you for the birthday wishes. Uh, Very, very, very cool. And that's like a big honor for me that this is like the first podcast you really got into. Podcasting is, it's weird. It's hard to explain to people sometimes. And for some people, I think for a lot of people actually, it's hard to get into it. I know it was hard for me to really get into podcasts. Like, I started off, I think the first one I really listened to was Bill Burr's podcast. And that was just like on SoundCloud. Once, like, if I was doing my 3D stuff, I'd just have that on sometimes. But it wasn't until I started working that I got into podcasts. And even then, it took a while for me to really build up like a good base of shows I liked. So. Really means a lot to me that you would say that, and yeah, I'm just finding it hard, like sometimes, to explain the show to people because some people are interested in aqua Scene, but like they don't really know what a podcast is; or they're not really interested in it. And podcasting is—it's not as straightforward as like if I was making YouTube videos, I'd be like, oh, here's my YouTube, and people understand. Oh, okay, I know what that is. But you say, oh, it's a podcast. People are like, well, what is that? Like, do I need an iPod? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, so. Yeah, it's just it definitely takes some time to get into. It takes some time to wrap your head around it. Plus, it's it's not really centralized. At least most of them. Like you're starting to see it now with like Spotify exclusive podcasts and stuff. But like you can get a podcast for the for the most part anywhere. So it's just you know again it's you you have to say like where it's available and stuff. It's just kind of kind of interesting uh, for me to be dealing with. I never really thought about it that much. But yeah, thanks Josh. Sorry for going off on the tangent. Very very kind of you, and. Again, love that we got more people listening at work because that's the best time to listen to somebody talk about Aqua Teen Hunger Force for an hour. (laughs) All right. I believe that's all the news I have for you guys. Let's see what's going on this week. April 21st, 2002. Oh, daddy. What a time to be alive. Let's see. Let's see what was big and hip at the time. All right. Sunday, April 21st, 2002 dominating the box office was this creepy little critter with a big stinger on its behind you had the scorpion king rocking it with 36 million this week and 18 million the next week holy smokes this was a popular film people dwayne the rock johnson are you kidding me i think this was actually one of his first uh like big acting roles i could be wrong i should have looked it up but this is the first time i really remember seeing him like in a big movie by himself kind of thing And yet, I've never seen The Scorpion King. I was a huge fan of the first Mummy movie as a kid. This is like a spinoff of the Mummy movies. And then I remember he was in like a Mummy movie too, I I think. And I saw that one, but I don't think I ever saw The Scorpion King. But IMDb gives it a 5.5 out of 10, and Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 41% out of 100%. So it looks like I, uh, you know, didn't really miss out. Although I'm sure the original Mummy has trash reviews too. So, The Scorpion King actually does have a shared cast member with Aqua Teen. And this one, I was not expecting. It is Bill Hader. So, I'm like, what the i I'm like, Bill Hader, I assume he acted in it, right? No, he didn't. Uh, he was a PA, a production assistant, on the film. This is via IMDb. This was Bill Hader's last film as a production assistant. He'd freelanced on several film and television projects. He quit after working 20 hours straight one day on the film's mystery mesa set in california dwayne johnson later hosted saturday night live when hater was a cast member so yeah uh, bill Hader went on to star in two episodes of aqua teen namely the dere inflatable Führer episode where he plays like a balloon hitler in 2009 and then a 2010 episode called i am a pod where he plays pod so yeah, just cool little bit of history there. I just did not expect that. I didn't know he was a PA. I thought he had been around longer than that, doing like bigger things, but I guess not. Uh, this is a relevant topic. Later this month in April 2002, Donovan Patton would replace Steve Burns as the second host of Blues Clues. I know, uh, you know, Steve kind of went viral again with his, his video reaching out to people of my age, basically like, oh, I'm so proud of you. And then, of course, we've all seen the great Aquatine spins where it's like, you know, Carl's face is like, I'm so freaking proud of you, <laughs> all this stuff. So yeah, I'm sure you guys have seen those memes going around. But yeah, that that happens this month where Donovan, who played Joe, replaces Steve, who was Steve on the show. And I remember this and I remember this is probably like the first instance that I can remember as as a young boy, I was probably seven or eight, where... Something changed in something that I, like, watched. And I was like, oh, I don't like this as much anymore. Because I remember not really liking Joe as much. And I'm sure most of you felt the same if you were around at the time. I don't know why. Nothing against Joe. I'm sure he was fine. But he was like, oh, I want Steve. Where'd Steve go? So I was looking into uh, Donovan a bit, the guy who played Joe. And turns out he went on to voice act in some big video games, such as Horizon Zero Dawn, Grand Theft Auto V, and 2018's God of War. So he's been busy. Uh, Steve... I'm sure most of you know Steve's story. I know he went on to make, make music and stuff, and I listened to some of it. It was actually pretty good. It was better than I expected it would be. But I think he only put out, like, two albums, you know, since 2002. So I don't think he's really sticking with it a whole lot. But yeah, <laughs> anyways, uh, that's it for film, television. What was going on in music, you might ask? Well, I have one single answer for you. Ashanti. Yeah. Yes, we have Ashanti's Foolish dominating, absolutely destroying the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart, which I do not remember this song at all, and I'm actually shocked how big this song was when it doesn't really have a big catchy chorus or anything. I mean, it's absolutely perfectly pleasant. I liked listening to it, but it doesn't like it didn't strike me as like a huge single like the other ones we've had. But yeah, this song was just dominating the charts. I'm sure we'll see it in future episodes. As the Billboard Hot 100 single. And the album it came from, her self-titled album, was dominating the record charts as well. So this is definitely Ashanti's time. And she is still around making music, but you don't really hear about her anymore. So I don't really know what the deal behind her hype was. Maybe she was just, you know, hyped up by the hype machine. The big hype monster pushed her to the top you know young pretty girl singing some nice songs maybe it was just you know right place at the right time but yeah you don't really hear about her anymore but we don't just have mainstream music to talk about we have the billboard alternative number 1 single what do we got it's a- Yes, Jimmy Eat Worlds, the middle, a huge, huge, huge song. I'm not super familiar with this band. Like, I'm into a lot of bands that are like adjacent to them or or similar to them, but I haven't really checked them out yet. But there are a few of their earlier songs I've heard before this album came out that I really liked. My impression is they used to be kind of more indie, more emo, and then they made it big with this album. But my impression is this album is still highly regarded, still a very good album. So very cool. Always liked this song. And this is definitely a band I need to look into a little bit more. All right. That's it for the music segment. And so for video games, I kind of let you guys down, right? I Really, nothing came out. Nothing good really came out since our last episode, which was earlier in the month. Spider-Man for PS2 came out. That was like the only thing I could find that I think people would give a shit about. Like, So doing these video game segments are kind of hard because, as you know, there's a million different systems that things release on. So... Let's say if a game was already out on Xbox, then a month later it comes out on PlayStation. When I look that information up, I see it as like, oh, it just came out. But really, it was, it was already out. It's just available on PlayStation this month. So it's kind of difficult for me to look up, but I did dig as much as I could and I couldn't really find anything worth talking about besides maybe you guys played the Spider-Man on PS2. But yeah, that, that, that's it for video games, guys. Really nothing. Like, I was so disappointed. But um, from what I could see coming up in the you know next few weeks and months... Uh, there are some games worth talking about that do come out. So that wraps it up for our pop culture segment. Let's see what the heck was going on on Adult Swim this night. And I am here to report that this episode of Aqua Teen, Old Rippy, is the only new episode on Adult Swim tonight. At 10 o'clock, we had home movies with Hiatus, Baby Blues with Wanda Proof, which wasn't new, then Aqua Teen at 11 with Old Rippy, which was new, 11.15, we had C-Lab 2021 with iRobot, which was an older episode. And then two Space Ghost episodes, Rio Ghosto and Pal Joey. And yeah, that, that's it for Adult Swim on this night. Nothing super exciting, honestly. The s- same lineup we're used to as the previous episode. But yeah, kind of cool. The only new, new episode was Aqua Teen. If you're interested on YouTube, you can look up. I think it's just like old drippy. I would put Aqua Teen Adult Swim promo or trailer or something. There's a video somebody uploaded of them with their cell phone, like recording this off their TV, but it's not really worth it for me to include here because, again, it's recorded on a cell phone up to a TV, and it's literally just like stock Adult Swim stuff before and after a clip of Aqua Teen, so it's not super exciting. There's no like new voiceover or anything like that, but if you want to look it up, it's there. So, okay, that's enough talking about all this other stuff, all this other bullshit. Let's jump in and talk about Season 1, Episode 7, Old Drippy. Check it out. Check it out. This Dr. Weird skit, I'm not going to play it. It's really short, and as our last episode, it had nothing to do with the actual episode at hand, the, the Aqua Teen segment, at least. It opens with Dr. Weird proclaiming gentleman, and then Steve says, you know you can call me Steve. I mean, there's no one else here. And then you... See, from Dr. Weird's perspective, you see Steve and there's like some weird monster behind him that's clearly from like some sort of 60s animation. And then Steve says, <laughs> right? And then Dr. Weird just yells, my mind. And that's it. I mean, I guess I don't know why I didn't play it if I just did like a shitty reading of it. But as I said before, any chance I can take not to get sued by Adult Swim, I'm going to take it. Yeah, funny that they reference the fact, you know, Dr. Weird always says gentlemen, but it's just one guy. I don't know if I've mentioned it, but in in the original Rabot cut that we have on the season one DVD, there are supposed to be other scientists. So it was supposed to be a group of scientists, not just Steve. But they kept Dr. Weird saying gentlemen, even though it's just one guy. But yeah, funny that they they mention it. And that's it. It's just kind of just a little visual and self-referential joke. After that, of course, we get the intro. And then we open to a scene at the Aqua Teens house. We see their kitchen for the first time. But in its current state, it is absolutely fucking disgusting. And we have Frylock complaining about how disgusting the kitchen is. I mean, we see just stacks of dishes, bowls, a nice set of dirty colored pastel cups. We have a hose hooked up to a kitchen sink, a toilet scrub brush, which is crust, <laughs> a drawer pulled out with pans stacked inside of it for some reason, uh, maybe even insinuating that they used the drawer to eat out of. I don't know. <laughs> uh, a full fish on the ground, and, like there's like food too, like perfectly fine food that was just left out, like uh, cracked eggs, moldy bread. There's like chickens and stuff. It almost, it really just looks like someone tried to make it gross because it doesn't really make sense. Dirty dishes, I understand, but to have stuff just completely left out It doesn't make sense and like food specifically like why would you leave a whole raw chicken out? that just doesn't make sense so it seems like somebody i wonder who tried to make it disgusting and i'm just shocked by the the pure volume of plates that they have they have a lot of plates for three people it's insane anyways yeah this is the scene we open to frelock is not happy about it and shake is sitting on the couch eating weenies off of the satellite dish that we saw in the previous episode space conflict from beyond pluto so At this point, Shakes desperate to find anything to eat off of and to eat it with. He is using the antenna on the cordless phone. (laughs) He's using it to stab the weenies and eat them. For those who don't know what weenies are, it's just I, you know, they just look like little hot dogs, like little uh, sausages that you would eat. So let's hear how this plays out.
0: What the hell is this? Hey, you want a dog? Here, I'll pierce one for you. The dog meat is perfectly
4: soft. No, I don't want a dog. I
2: want a dog. Don't I have a dog?
0: There. You still want one? I sure do. one for me. Hey. Now, no one is going to want one. You know, that was the last dish. Hey, that's my satellite
4: dish.
1: So yeah, as you heard, Shake offered Frylock uh, a hot dog to try and get him to forget about the dirty kitchen, basically. And then Meatwad will take one, though he rolls in, he's all excited, and then Shake spits on them, or or, or rather, hawks a loogie on them. And then Meatwad still wants one, but because of this, Shake doesn't want them anymore after he like spit on them, which is just so weird. I mean, I guess if I hawked a loogie on something that I was eating, I wouldn't want it either, but it's just funny how he's he's willing to waste them all just so Meatwad doesn't get any. And he just throws it into the kitchen. like he, He's clearly done this many times. He just throws it from the living room into the kitchen, and he's done with it. I mean I've had my fair share of dirty kitchens in my life from being a kid up until an adult but never quite this bad. I think the most desperate I've gotten was just using like Tupperware to eat out of. Like if all the dishes are dirty and you're hungry now, you don't want to wash them. Uh usually, you know, it's not like there's just something quick to wash. It's like there's something baked on there. You don't want to wash those plates. I think Tupperware is is, is the lowest I've gone, I'm trying to think. But yeah, that's it. And then we have a lot of utensils, at least like now. So I've never run out of utensils. I think uh, the most desperate I've gotten was like, we have a bag of extra utensils. I've maybe gone in there and gotten one, but I mean, that hasn't happened often. So never been in quite this situation, but I'm sure we've all been there where, there, you know, no clean dishes, man, and you're hungry. But obviously, Shake <laughs> has taken it to the extreme, eating off of a satellite dish with a phone. I mean, at that point, it's just like, you're just making things harder on yourself because that really can't be easy to do. Anyways, that's enough about my dirty kitchen habits. Frylock has some more reprimanding to do.
4: Get in here and look at this! You ever hear a damn refrigerator or a freaking trash can? No. You got three raw <laughs> chickens in here on the floor. A dog wouldn't even take a crap in here. Look,
0: just take the hose oh, and lightly no. spray no. everything no,
4: no, out the no, back
0: door. Oh, no, <laughs> no, my ass, you will. Right oh, no,
4: you're not. You're gonna go to the damn store and get some cleaning supplies. What's going on? Look
0: at this mess. Did you do this? Fine, all right. Well, I'll do it, but it's my decision to do this. I declare it.
1: So just great detail on their kitchen. I really like how much work I assume Bob Pettit put into this. We get some really great yelling from Carrie Means here as Frylock, and this episode really cements Frylock as their leader because he's telling, you know, Shake what to do. He's telling everyone what to do, and he's the only responsible one. And without, without Frylock, they would all be dead, honestly. A little detail here I picked up more on was the closet, their closet in the kitchen. I assume maybe it's like a pantry even. It's just full of trash, full of trash bags. And it's like, it can't. they can't even close the door on it. An audio thing I picked up on here, which I'm still not really sure what it's supposed to be. But there's this weird just like popping noise that goes on occasionally in the background. And I can't figure out what it's supposed to be. Maybe one of you guys has an idea. But like I thought it was like dripping water maybe, but that's that doesn't seem to be it. So I don't know. You'll hear it in these clips when they're in the kitchen. It's just like a pop noise. I love Shake's suggestions here of just taking a hose and spraying everything out the back door or draping a tarp over the mess. Like he's just like, he doesn't want to deal with it. And he's trying to figure out the the easiest way, but that would just make their lives harder. And I'm sure a lot of us have felt this like, Desperation, this frustration when the mess is so big, it seems like you can't possibly clean it up. But of course, I don't feel any sympathy for Shake. He's an asshole, and this mess isn't just from using dishes, it's from just being so fucking lazy and leaving food out and everything. There's a silent moment there where Shake asks Meatwad when he comes into the room. If he made the mess and just everyone just looks at Shake, like they don't, that's like the funniest thing they could have done, I think, is it's just Meatwad and Frylock just staring at Shake. (laughs) Like they know he did it. He knows they know he did it. So typical Shake here as he's walking away to get the cleaning supplies, he proclaims it was his idea to clean anyways. And then after that, we see something growing in the kitchen on the floor. Just this little, you know, what What we know now is mold. So uh, it's hard for me not to know what it is because I've seen this episode so many times. But yeah, a little piece of mold growing. And then we get a schoolie D audio cue. Let's check it out.
2: No man, I think that mold is moving. And if it moves one more time, I'm getting my gap.
1: I didn't notice this in the last episode, but in... Space conflict from beyond Pluto. There are zero zip zilch nada no schooly D transitions in that episode, which is the first episode that we didn't get any of those in. And the episode before that, Balloonenstein, there were a ton of schooly D transitions. Like there was one for every character, and they were all over that episode. So it's interesting to go from episode five, which had so many of those schooly D sound clips, to zero, and then now we get one in this one. And my thought for that was because seeing as this was originally in the same episode as the Plutonians, maybe they only wrote them for these transitions or something along those lines. That's the only thing I can think of because it is strange that they would go from having so many schooly D transitions in the previous episode of, of Stein to zero in space conflict and then back to at least one here. So I really think that's the case is that they planned them really just for this one. And then because the episodes got split up at some point in production, that one ended up without any, or maybe they just didn't really have any opportunity for one. I mean, I can't really think of where a D transition would go in Space Conflict from Beyond Pluto because that episode is so tightly packed and there's like so much going on in terms of all the dialogues and everything. You don't really need anything explained by Schooly D, which I guess we never really need it, but I just don't think there was that much of an opportunity there. Although I'm sure they could have found something. Anyways, in this next clip, Shake is back from the store with spray cheese and air freshener, and the organism in the kitchen continues to grow. What do you want,
0: Frylock? Pine or lemon fresh? Does it come in chocolate? I don't know. Why don't you spray it right in your eyes and find out? <laughs> yeah, do that. Why don't you come on down here and say that to my face, big boy? <laughs> Look,
3: air freshener is not going to clean this kitchen. Wait, wait a second.
0: Is this cheese? Yeah. How are you going to clean the kitchen with cheese shake? We don't. Look, that room is dead to me now. <laughs> but we make the living room the new kitchen. Huh? Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. Shake, where's the stove? Here it is! Shake, take is a like look at her. this mold. I mean, this My God, it's right breathing. There. Oh, slow. Look move
3: <laughs> What was
1: that?
0: Oh,
2: that was me.
1: <laughs> oh, that was me. <laughs> we see Meatwad not only standing up for himself here, but he's like fully defiant of Shake now and is slightly aggressive towards him. It seems like his confidence... Gained in the Blumenstein episode where he gains powers and is like attacking shake is kind of retained here. And we're getting the Meatwad we're used to throughout the series who isn't a complete pushover and like a complete child. He has like some attitude or rather meatitude, I guess. And yeah, it's just the Meatwad we're used to because in the, in the first few episodes, he's just really a, just like a child. He's, he still is in some episodes, you know, sometimes that serves the plot. But... Yeah, here we just see him talking smack, talking back to to Shake rather than just being a helpless victim, which is better from a writing standpoint because it gives them more to do with Meatwad. It gives him more opportunity in the plot than just being somebody who just gets picked on and cries and that's it. But And, and the fact that he is so tough now when he does cry, to me it makes it, it makes it funny as opposed to just sad. And I guess that's it, too, is if they always had this one character getting shit on every episode, it just wouldn't be funny. It would just kind of become sad at a certain point. Because, you know, Meatwad's so innocent, right? We see the cheese that Frylock pulls out of the bag. It's called Arrow Cheese with real cheese. That's it. And it's just really generic design. Not a whole lot to talk about. And then, yeah, Shake has some yellow and green like, sprays that he bought, which, again, these aren't cleaning products. These are, like, air fresheners. Like, you use it to spray in the bathroom after you take a dump or something. It's not, you don't use it to clean, like, the kitchen. This clip kind of hard just to listen to because there are some segments where Frylock is just in the kitchen watching the mold grow because it's quickly growing. And we do get a detail of there are knives in the wall, which is funny. Like, Shake just stabs knives in the wall because he's too lazy to put them in the knife block or something. I don't know. But yeah, Shake says the room is dead to him, the kitchen. He's just given up on it, which is weird because he spent a lot of money on these you know, spray. I guess, I guess the spray is to mask the smell of the kitchen. I don't know. But yeah, he, he's given up on the kitchen and he sets fire to the green chair in the living room saying that's their new stove. That's the new kitchen, which is surprising to see him so willing to burn the place that he sleeps. But I guess he's, he's done similar crazy things at this point to that chair. And then Meatwad throws air freshener onto the flame and causes an explosion. <laughs> and then at the end of the clip, he's just like, yeah, that was me. So yes, Meatwad caused that explosion and he readily admits it. Like, he, it, this really reminds me of the previous episode, Space Conflict from Beyond Pluto, where he just sets a, a fire on the carpet and says, yeah, the carpet's on fire. Like, I did that. I used fire in my work. So here he's just being destructive and just fully admits to it. Also, the animation of Miwad shaking the, the canister before he throws it onto the chair is really funny. Basically, just his image like compresses and expands a few times. It shrinks and gets bigger. And that's it. It's just a cheap and effective way to convey him shaking the can because he doesn't use his arms in any way in, in that animation. It's just like... Like He has arms. They, they could have had him with it in his hand, but they don't. They just have the canister up next to him and he just moves up and down. It's just super, super low budget. Even kind of surprising for this show considering some of the things that they have done so far. But hey, gets the job done. Enough of my character analysis of Meatwad. So in that last scene, Shake ran out of the living room because Meatwad caused the explosion and during the conversation Meatwad is having with Frylock, a large mold-like creature joins in and exits the kitchen into the living room.
3: Wow. That sure was a mighty explosion, huh? Is anyone hurt? <laughs> Can I get someone a soft drink? Amazing.
2: Yeah, there must have been some magic hot dogs or something. You wanna go play with my dolls?
3: Yes. I would like nothing better.
1: Frylock is stunned at this creature, which, as I touched on in a previous episode, it's odd at this point that he is shocked by anything. But, anyways, yeah, Frylock has his jaws dropped. He is freaking out when he sees this thing walk out to them. And Miwa just has a smile on his face. And he's excited to see someone new. And obviously, as you hear, invites him to play with his dolls. This character is not named yet, but we know this is Old Drippy. And Old Drippy is voiced by Todd Field, who at this point of recording the, the Aqua Teen episode in 2001 or or whenever this was recorded... Um, was hot off of directing his critically acclaimed film In the Bedroom. Todd had directed a number of short films at this point and acted in various projects. However, this episode is one of the last things he ever acted in, focusing more on his filmmaking career. Although the interesting thing is he only released one more film after this, although he does currently have a film in the works called... I'm just going to say Tar. There's like a a little line over the A. I'm a stupid American. I don't know what any of this means. But yeah, uh, Tar. He's he's currently filming it. So he's a pretty big actor. He was in like a lot of big things and as a director as well. And th- his role here is just super out of the blue because he hasn't done any other adult swim stuff, any other adult animation, voiceover, nothing like that at all. To the point where I thought that this wasn't even the right guy. I'm like, no way, this is the right Todd Field. The guy who did the who did this old drippy voice is probably just some weirdo from Atlanta, Georgia who knew these guys. It can't be the director, Todd Field. But there was a connection between Todd Field's work, his movies, and Aquatine. And that is Keith Crawford. Keith worked on In the Bedroom with Todd and also on a 93 movie that Todd was in. And if you're wondering who Keith Crawford is, Keith Crawford is a founder of William Street Productions. So that's the production company that produces most adult swim shows. Not just Aquatine, but basically... Anything you can imagine on Adult Swim, Keith has his hand in in some way. He's an executive producer on, on basically every Aquatine episode. This is just one of those dudes that without him, there would be no Adult Swim. So these guys presumably were friends. And because of that, I, I'm guessing that's how Todd got involved with this episode of Aqua Teen. Why he went along with it, I have no clue, but he did. I also, I, I, At this point, I'm like, okay, that makes sense, but I still had to verify, so I looked up some interviews with Todd Field, and his voice does sound very similar to Old Drippy, so I know for sure it's him. Again, I know you guys probably haven't looked this up, so you think I'm just going on, but it really, to me, seemed like this wasn't the right guy, but uh, I, I think it is. So yeah, that, that's really it for Todd Field that I could find, and Meatwad asked the creature if he wants to play with his dolls, and the creature is unnaturally enthused to do so, so let's see how this little play date is going.
2: Well, this is Vanessa. Now, I know she looks like an apple, but she's actually a full-grown woman. And she fell in love with her boyfriend, Dewey, here. And they go off into outer space, and then they, they get married.
3: Wow, they're super cute. <laughs> I wish I had a name.
2: Well, I'll give you a name. How about old Drippy? Since you're dripping on all my stuff.
3: <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm Seriously,
2: like- Drippy, stop dripping. Dewey's getting all soggy.
1: Oops. Sorry, Dewey. <laughs> so, this is our first time actually meeting Meatwad's dolls, Dewey and Vanessa. Vanessa looks to be a Granny Smith apple with a face drawn on and marker. She also has a mustache. I should note that in other appearances of Vanessa in future episodes, she sometimes doesn't have hair and a mustache. It's just eyes and a smile. I assume... I'm, I'm probably overthinking this, guys, but I assume it's because Meatwad has to remake her due to the fact that apples will rot. So that's why she looks different in some episodes, because he has to keep redrawing her. Realistically, the animators just probably forgot, but whatever. Um, Dewey is a toilet paper roll with a face drawn on as well. His design much more consistent in other episodes. They never have much of a discernible personality, at least when Meatwad plays with them, because they don't speak. But we do learn here that they are married and they go into outer space together. Old Drippy is really enjoying the dolls and then he wishes that he had a, has a name. So Meatwad names him Old Drippy because he's, quote, dripping all over Meatwad's stuff, basically all over his dolls. However, in this moment, this is basically the only time we actually see Old Drippy drip. So it's kind of a weird name. I I, I wonder if there was some other joke or some other plot point that they had for him that they scrapped. Because again, this is like the only time we see him drip. So I don't, I don't really know. Old Drippy is just super soft-spoken. And at this point, past episodes are making us feel uneasy about him since every creature this far has been dangerous or had ill intent. So we're not really sure what to make of Old Drippy yet. And Old Drippy asked Meatwad if he has any real dolls. But before that happens, I just want to quickly shout out the music playing in Meatwad's room. I love that he, t- when he takes someone to his room, he puts some music on and it's just like generic dance music. So make sure you give it a little listen here in this next clip. Meatwad, do you have any real dolls?
2: Well, real dolls cost money. i just rather use the unlimited power of my imagination. They ain't got no damn money.
3: Really. <laughs> I'm going to go out and get you the
1: best doll ever. Now, where do I go to get a doll?
2: Hot diggity doll. They have all the dolls. It's just up the street.
1: Hot diggity doll. Oh my God. Hot Diggity Doll is a great name and one of the first instances of the show having silly titles like that. Um, I'll point the other ones out, I mean, in the future. Off the top of my head, there's a few things I can think of where there's these like uniquely Dave Willis, Matt Malero names for things that aren't like crude or anything like that. They're just silly and just so funny. But yeah, Old Drippy wants to get Meatwad a real doll because he's playing with an apple and a toilet paper tube. And again, we're just we're not sure what to make of him because you expect him to be awful in some way. Like, maybe he's killing them with his spores or something. You know, we'll find out. But anyways, we cut to Carl's house, and we see his bedroom for the first time. Actually, I think this is the first time we really see the inside of his house as we're used to it. There, In Escape from Leprocopolis, I know his house gets ripped off of the foundation, and we see kind of some of the layout, and we see other bits and pieces here and there. But I think this is the first time, if my memory serves correct, you know, I should have this written down, but... I think this is the first time we see inside of his house in any capacity, but definitely the first time that we see his bedroom as it ends up being. Our first view in the bedroom, there's a lot going on here, but the main point is there's a headless, full-sized cutout of a bikini-clad woman holding a surfboard and a six-pack of beer bottles. So it's like a big promo thing, but with with no head, which is just a great touch. We see an exposed mattress behind her with two pillows and a bunched-up sheet on top. I should point out there are no sheets on the actual mattress itself and the carpet is an orange or kind of tannish color. It's hard for me to really describe it with a stack of presumably porn magazines on the floor and then there's some more underneath the bed. Carl's bedside table consists of a two by four on top of cinder blocks. On top of that is a clock with a reading of 410 p.m. and a pitcher with what looks to be change inside of it or maybe bottle tops. I don't know. We also see a yellow chair of some sort next to that. We just barely see it, but it has like a cup holder in the arm. The walls are painted blue, but it's kind of splotchy. And there's a baseball poster on the wall, and it almost looks like the wall was painted around the poster because of the splotchiness, which maybe Carl decided one day he wanted blue walls, but he didn't want to do it the right way. So he just painted around everything instead of actually, you know, taking things off the walls to paint the walls. Finally, we see some sort of beach sunset wall mural. And then. Carl's in his room talking to the cutout. So I'll just explain real quick. Once we cut to his side of the room, there isn't as much there. But we see his dresser, which is actually surprisingly nice. Although a drawer is open with a sock hanging out of it. There's a red Speedo type underwear. I don't really know what to call this on the ground. Which clearly it's like his. He wears these like sexy guy underwear, but he's not a sexy guy. I guess depending on who you ask. But there's also a wife beater on the ground. And there's just other various clothing. I'm not going to describe every single thing. On the wall, we also see a continuation of the beach sunset mural, which extends to the door, which is pretty cool. I always thought as a kid, I'm like, that's pretty cool to have that, <laughs> that whole uh, sunset thing on the wall there. Behind Carl, we see what appears to be the entrance to a bathroom with bright baby blue tile and no door from what I can see. But yes, that's, I just want to set the scene. We're at Carl's house in his room, and he is talking to this headless beer promotional cutout. <laughs>
4: from the beach. You're a naughty girl. <laughs> what are you doing coming by my bedroom? I thought you had a photo shoot. Well, let me just slip on my swim trunks. Uh-oh, unless you don't want me to wear them. That's a possibility, huh? <laughs> 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 Baby, you pass out or something? Where's my beer promo?
1: <laughs> okay, so looking back, I actually got the description a little bit wrong. He does have a nightstand directly next to his bed, which actually looks similar to the dresser. It looks pretty nice. And that has on it a lamp that is in the shape of a woman and lotion and like paper towels. (laughs) Just so gross. (laughs) Uh, But yes, so he's talking to this. He's like role playing. He's going to go on a date with this or whatever, you know, gross stuff Carl wants to do. And then it gets pulled out the window and then we see old Drippy walking away with it, which to me is funny because Miwad tells him hot diggity doll is down the street and, Drippy just goes right next door and takes it. Carl's room is on the second story. So it's impressive that Drippy was able to climb that and like pull that out. I would like to see that animation, but I understand why they didn't show it. Anyways, to open this next scene, we kind of have a lot going on here. But Shake comes back to the house and he has a gutter in his hand. And then Shake goes into Meatwad's room to find him there. What? what are you doing with that gutter? What
0: are you doing with that beard, huh? Internet that, <laughs> scientist. Meatwad! Uh-oh. Where are you? Not in my room. Aha! My telescope. But oh, you've ruined it. How will I ever see the stars again? <laughs> this ain't no
2: telescope. It's Dural. And he's an engineer, and he works on the supertron
0: He does what? You got mental problems! No, don't. Hey, <laughs> sleep, Rome.
1: What's it taste like?
0: Your mother's... Ah! Monster! <laughs>
1: Okay, so Shake screaming was uh, that's his first time seeing Old Drippy who is returning with Carl's cutout. We had some great back and forth between Shake and Meatwad. Uh, Shake just coming in to beat Meatwad's ass and I just <laughs> I you I mean you guys heard I just lose it at you have mental problems. But <laughs> he says that's a poor Meatwad as he's hitting him with the gutter. So Shake says taste the chrome and I was like, "Oh, our gutters made of chrome because when I hear of chrome I think of like like fancy shit on cars, right? Like chrome side pipes and all that stuff. But I looked it up and I guess gutters will typically be coated in a zinc and chrome alloy mixture or whatever the fuck to prevent rusting. So there probably could have been chrome on those gutters. Anyways, I just want to go back to my previous thought of how Meatwad told Old Drippy that Hot Diggity Doll was down the street, but then Old Drippy goes to Carl's house and steals his cutout. And, you know, if we're supposed to believe this character is nice then that kind of goes against that, right? So I did some thinking about it because, I mean, spoiler alert, uh, uh, you guys have seen this episode. Old Drippy does turn out to be nice. He is a a nice creature. So that just doesn't really make sense that he would steal from Carl. But my thought here is that he didn't really understand. He thought that was hot diggity doll because, remember, he was just born earlier that day. So he just didn't know any better. So, yeah, old, Old Drippy returns with the cutout. For Meatwad, and he really thought he went to Hot Diggity Doll and got it. He did, He wasn't purposely stealing from Carl. He just didn't know. Well, Meatwad, look at this doll.
2: All right, a drunk girl. <laughs> this is the best
1: doll ever. Okay, so that that's like the end of the clip. I should have just included it with the previous one, but just all right, a drunk girl. So yeah, Old Drippy gives him the doll. Meatwad is very enthused. He finally has a quote real doll. You know, it, it is kind of weird. Old Drippy knew what a, quote, real doll is compared to what Meatwad is playing with, which is just shit he found around the house. Why would he think this is a real doll? It's, you know, it's a giant cutout. But, I mean, I guess it's it's more of a doll. It's more of a real play thing than whatever Meatwad's playing with. Although a toilet paper tube can be kind of fun. I mean, you know, it, Shake was saying that's his telescope. That's how he sees the stars. Um, I use it to make weird noises to my cats, and they always find it interesting. I'm sure you guys are using these empty toilet paper rolls for all sorts of fun. So, I mean, you can give it a little bit more credit, Drippy. Come on. Anyways, as that was taking place, Shake is running out to the kitchen to talk to Frylock about the monster he just saw in Meatwad's room.
0: Burn the house down. There's a monster in Meatwad's room. That
1: monster, as you put it, is a miracle of modern science that arose out of your
3: mess, which I see is still here,
1: Shake. (laughs)
0: Then, thank God that I made all this possible, <laughs>
1: huh? Right? Yeah, so Froelich just glaring at Shake. You know, Shake is scared by it, but then when it comes down to him having to do something about it, which is clean the kitchen, then he's suddenly like, oh, it was a good thing, right? right? So Shake is finally about to do something about it, and we see him dragging all of their dishes in a big white sheet out the front door, and over to Carl's pool, who he crosses while he's heading there, who is heading over to the Aqua Teens' house to look for his cutout. Because, I mean, you know, if, I feel like if any of us lived next to the Aqua Teens, if anything went missing like that, you could assume where to look, right?
0: Look, you know who's the leader? Oh, I know. And don't ever <laughs> yell at me like that again, because if you do, you <laughs> are demoted.
4: Well, hey, Carl. Shut up. Wait, where are you going with those dishes? Nothing.
1: it's just where are you going with those dishes nothing and then he just kind of starts singing to himself beep boop great uh joke of course between frylock and shake where shake is proclaiming i'm the leader i'm the one in charge even though he is doing what frylock told him to do but yeah as as shake is going to do that carl gets to the aqua teens door and talks to frylock
4: hey carl what's happening yeah right did you see a woman in a bikini with a six-pack of beer and a surfboard come in here? Was it cardboard? Used to be up at the liquor store? <laughs> uh, no.
3: <laughs> well, okay, Carl. She's back in Meatwad's room.
1: So you'll hear in the background stuff going into the pool as Frylock is telling Carl where the, the cutout is. I don't assume to any allegiance to Carl. I think he probably just doesn't want Meatwad playing with that because it's not really appropriate for him. So Carl heads to Meatwad's room where... Old Drippy and Meatwad are are performing a marriage to Dewey and the Headless Woman.
2: Dewey, do you take this headless supermodel with the six-pack to be your lawfully wedded wife so that you guys can work on the railroad together and build supertrain and drive them to
4: Jupiter with Patman? (laughs)
2: I do. I do.
4: You two-timing bitch. No, <laughs> oh, This is a private
3: ceremony. <laughs> you get your gross,
4: moist things off her.
3: That's my fantasy girl. Was this yours? I am so sorry. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh. <laughs> she
4: smells like dead mushrooms and cheeseburger meat. And who are you?
3: I'm the guy that's going to rake your lawn for being such a big jerk.
1: So, yeah, we see old Drippy feels bad about it, which I think is genuine. And I'm – again – I, I just said that based off of the fact that like if you haven't seen the episode, but as you know he he is a good guy, so he does really feel bad. I assume there was just a confusion when he got the doll. He thought it was he thought he was at Hot Diggity Doll. He also didn't understand the concept of money because he just took it without paying for it. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I love Carl actually like being into it, not like hey that's mine. He's just like you two timing bitch. Like he he to him it, it is a real woman almost, which is great. We get a lot more of a look into Carl's personality here which I just love how the show has been building Carl's personality up from just being the, the asshole next door who gets picked on to having this whole lore behind him of all the stuff he's into. But yeah, Drippy feels bad about it. He feels bad for what he did, and he offers to rake Carl's lawn, and in this next scene, he is doing exactly that.
3: Idle hands spend time at the genitals, <laughs> and you know how much God hates that. That yard looks nice, Carl. Yo, Drippy here does some good work. Yeah, you stay on your side well, of the lawn. off the there, lawn, the I stay off the <laughs> Carl, is that a leaf in your gutter? When's the last time you cleaned up there?
4: Look, yeah, Carl, when's the last time? Look, if I wanted a wife to nag my head off, Drippy, I'd order one from Russia.
3: Why do that? You've got a beautiful lady right by your side. Well, <laughs> yeah, Carl, when you
2: find a good one? Let me tell you, you need to hold on as tight as you can.
3: You're a lucky man, Carl. You know what? Why don't both of you just get the hell out of here right now? Great idea. I'll go get
1: us some lattes. Who wants a latte?
4: Yeah, give me one. What
2: are they?
1: Drippy, raking Carl's lawn, and Carl's actually like happy about it. He's standing out in the yard with his fucking cutout, and Meatwad's on the aquatine side of the lawn, the the shaggy side, and he goes to roll onto Carl's side, but then he just rolls back, and he's like, oh, I'll stay on my side. As you remember in a previous episode, Meatwad is on Carl's lawn, and he says how he feels bad about leaving all the juice and the nastiness from underneath him on the grass. So I assume that's what they're talking about. They don't want Meatwad getting the lawn all nasty again with his grease. And then Drippy's just trying to be nice to Carl, but Carl gets annoyed because Drippy is like, "Oh, like we gotta clean your gutter," and Carl just doesn't like that. He doesn't like being nagged. And then I just love the joke of Drippy's like, "Oh, well, why would you want a wife when you have a beautiful woman right by your side?" And you know, it's a cutout with no head. Anyways, but yeah, Carl says if I want a wife, I would order one from Russia, which, as we all know, he does in the next season. Drippy offered to get them lattes, and. You know, Meanwhile, doesn't know what that is, but in this next scene, he is giving everyone a latte. One for you. Oh, thank you. One for you. Yeah, I'll
0: just pour one on my head. And
1: <laughs> one for me.
0: Where's mine? Is this one mine?
1: Uh-oh.
3: Gee, I didn't realize you were here. And well, I am and I here. Know... I'm here
0: now. Go get me one. Just give me yours.
3: Shake, that's rude.
0: He's rude? He's the one that bought the lattes. And that's rude, introducing him to this environment. You know how dangerous that is? It's called a gesture of
3: kindness, Shake. Maybe you ought to try it sometime.
0: Well, maybe you ought to move right out of here right now, if you know it's good for you.
3: Here, take mine. I'll do without.
0: (laughs) Oops. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I slapped that right out of your hand. I don't know what came over me. Jeez, is that polite enough for you, Frylock? I'm apologizing to your best friend in the whole universe...
3: that was my fault probably um, i'll just go get a rag yeah
0: go get a rag so i can slap that right out of your hand. shake
3: what is wrong with you
0: what's wrong with you hey why don't you go kiss your new best friend you love him so damn much i'm the <laughs> one that cleaned the kitchen i'm the authority
1: drippy got three lattes one for frylock one for meatwad and one for himself as you hear shake comes into the scene and he's like where's mine these scenes not particularly interesting for me for this podcast because it's just Shake going off on a rant. There's not a whole lot for me to say about it. But yeah, he's just having a big... He's being a big baby and just being an asshole. He hits Drippy's latte out of his hand as he's going to hand it to Shake. And then, you know, Drippy's so nice. He's like, oh, that was probably my fault, even though he knows it wasn't. But he's just so nice that he is not trying to stir any sort of conflict. And this is a good look into the behavior of shake because he's going off while basically everyone is like nobody's really egging him on i guess like a little bit but when drippy is trying to calm him down he still just keeps freaking out over nothing he's just being a dick you know why would drippy have gotten him a latte when he's only seen drippy for like three seconds earlier in the episode anyways in the background you'll have noticed that the kitchen is now clean it is no longer dirty And at the end of that last clip, we had some banging on the door. The door opened, and, hmm, let's see who's at the door.
4: Someone want to tell me why my pool is full of hot dog chunks and dirty dishes? Oh, Carl, you
0: didn't mess with it, did you? Because it's got to set up for a couple days with the battery. The battery? Yeah, you know, the one from your car. I dumped some shampoo in there, too, but it's dog shampoo, so I don't know if it's going to work. But we're praying like hell that it does. No, 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 no,
4: I understand, (laughs) I understand.
3: I'm just going to go, I'll be back in a few... You, uh, you think that the gun store is still open? Carl, please, I'll take care of the mess. He means well. He's just a little... Well, I'd better not say. What?
4: I'm a little what? Thank you, Drippy. You are very well-mannered and very nice. And you ought to take lessons from him. That's right. Yeah, so that's right.
0: Very good. Thank you, friends. As of right now, I am now moving out. Right this instant. <laughs> what on <you> then? Let's get of well, hold on. I mean, I need to get my suitcases and they don't exist yet. No, so <laughs> I'll get out of here. This is a bag full of sand. That's what you eat.
1: So this scene, really just to illustrate how nice Drippy is, he's like, he's like the anti-Shake. He's just nice. He's kind. He's always trying to do stuff for other people. And yeah, he offers to clean Carl's pool. And I, I just love how he's like, you know, Shake is a little, oh, I better not say... It's just, that's just like the biggest <laughs> insult. He's he's so nice, and that's that's what I that's what I like about Drippy is that he recognizes when people are being dicks, and you know that Shake is an asshole, but he doesn't say it. He's not like he's not like a stupid, happy-go-lucky character who's just like thinks everyone is great and nice. He knows that Shake is a piece of shit. He's just too nice to say it, and he wants to help people out because of it. When Shake gets told off by everybody basically comparing him to drippy he threatens to move out but (laughs) Meatwad just hands him a plastic bag from food badge and says here i packed your things go you know what i think it's actually food badger that would make more sense i guess kind of like a cub foods or something like that yeah food badger but yeah this scene is still going on i just wanted to cut it because it's already long so let's hear the rest of the scene play out remember shake is handed his bag of things, which is just—it's a, a plastic bag with like barely anything in it. Because Shake does doesn't really own anything, right? He doesn't have a room. He doesn't—you don't really see him with that much. So yeah, let, let's let's continue the scene.
2: Well, I'm moving this TV back to my room too. I paid for it.
1: Whoa! <laughs> Do not touch that television until I get over there.
0: Oh yeah, he's nice now. But don't come looking for me when he's burying your bodies out in the desert. Get out of here! What are you doing? <laughs> I'm gonna touch you out of here! <laughs>
1: Meatwad just chasing shake out the door it's the funniest fucking thing but yeah drippy comes back in to help move the tv he's such a nice guy he's he stops cleaning carl's pool to run over and help move that tv and by help i mean he does it all himself and i just love that meatwad paid for it which i don't really believe but that's what he says and, and no one challenges him but i really don't believe that he paid for the tv but all right, Shake has officially moved out, and we see he moved out to the front of their house, where he is currently, it's nighttime now, he's in a thunderstorm, and he's trying to construct shelter out of three couch cushions. That's
0: good. Okay, that's all right. It looks good. Hey, who says I couldn't do this, huh? Ah, let me in! Will you let me in, damn it! I mean, guys! Hey, hey!
1: So yeah, he's just out on the sidewalk trying to construct shelter from these three nasty couch cushions, I should have said. And it instantly gets struck by lightning as soon as he like gets them to stay. Uh during this scene, I, I noticed a visual glitch shake just randomly. Like his his character moves up slightly, like it kind of floats a little bit um off the ground during the scene where he's standing on the sidewalk and is constructing his fort so if you if you go back and watch this make sure you pay attention to that you'll see him kind of float a little bit i suppose it could be him moving like up the sidewalk a little bit but it, it doesn't make sense he his character isn't moving at all it's just floating up so i think it's just a mistake on there and some sort of keyframe error or something but yeah as you heard uh his shelter got destroyed instantly and he just runs to the door pounding on it wanting to be let back inside he wants to move back in And surprisingly, Froelock lets him in pretty quickly.
0: Well, Shake, I thought you moved. What? I never said that. (laughs) Who said that?
3: (coughs) Oh my, you're burning up.
0: Yes, I'm very sick.
3: Okay. <coughs> Frylock, he needs medical help. He needs an ass whooping, is what he needs. There's no time. Here, Shake. Eat my head.
0: Here, kiss my ass. <laughs> Forget
3: about it. I'm serious. Coat me with ranch. Chase me with cheese if you must. I don't care. It's the only way. Trippy, don't. <laughs>
0: what are you doing? Don't do that. That's going to
3: hurt you. I'm saving his life. I'm half penicillin. Well, I have some penicillin in my lab if that's what this is all about. Oh, really? <laughs> well, then just give him some of that, man. No, I
0: mean... wait. Now, hold on a minute. I, I kind like of like to taste your head. I mean, you said it was the only
1: way, right? Shake already sick after being outside, which I don't think just being outside in the rain makes you sick. I think what happens is it can lower your immune system, like being in bad elements like that, and then you're more likely to become sick. But it doesn't just make you sick. Like, you don't actually get a cold from being cold. And if Shake was just outside by himself, it doesn't make sense really who he would have caught that from. So you know, kind of an old wives tale, the reason he's sick. But the point is he's sick and Drippy is so nice. He's willing to sacrifice himself to save Shake because he says he's half penicillin. I don't entirely know how penicillin and mold are related. I know penicillin was discovered from mold. I don't know if it just is mold. I could just quickly Google this and save myself from looking like an idiot, but it is what it is. I'm sure some of you guys know, but yes, penicillin uh, good for you when you're sick, typically. And Old Drippy is half penicillin. But then Frylock's like, well, I have some. And Drippy instantly pulls back. He's like, oh, we'll just give him some of that. But Shay's such a fucking dickhead that he wants to eat, keep eating Old Drippy because he tastes good. And Old Drippy's just too nice to refuse him. Which, you know, I wish he would have refused him. That would have been a, a better route to go, I think. But at the same time, this, this episode has to end. It has to wrap up. And something has to happen with Old Drippy. Before the eating can fully commence... Meatwad has a few words for Drippy. Are you
2: are done, Drippy? I, I
0: love you.
1: I'm going away for a while, Meatwad. <laughs> and I may never come back.
3: But I'll always be right here. Inside.
0: Yeah, in my stomach, baby.
3: Close
1: your eyes, Meatwad. <laughs> Keep
3: your eyes open, Meatwad. I
0: want to horrify you
1: into a coma. I love hearing that hot mic of Todd Field just yelling into <laughs> it. Poor Meatwad has to sit there while his like only best friend of the series who's an actual like sentient being is being eaten by his asshole roommate who always picks on him. I feel like Shake is kind of just doing it to be an asshole, especially because it hurts Meatwad because that's Meatwad's friend and he's choosing to eat him. So as this horror is going on, we get a Schooly D transition where Schooly D kind of tells us what's been going on. For
0: three days, I mean for three days, Shake the 8 old Drapid. There
2: ain't no way to treat your homies, man. You cold, bloody
1: The night nice sky during this little transition section is actually very pretty. The moon is nice and big, lots of stars in the sky, which is surprising because they live like right by a city. You see all the skyscrapers and stuff, so you would think the light pollution would drown that out, but I guess not. So, as Schooly D said, it's been three days and we check in on the Aqua household where we see what is left of Old Drippy, which is. Not a whole lot.
0: At this point, I got to tell you, you're better without the ranch. I mean, you're
3: good. Thank you. How are you feeling?
0: Great. I'm going to go outside and run amok. Hey, you want to join me?
3: I'd love to, but I simply don't have the
0: strength. Suit yourself. But seriously, you stay off of my chair.
1: God. So Drippy gives his life to shake. And he—he. I'm surprised he invited him to go run amok with him. It's like, hey, want to go outside? That I, I, that actually shocks me when I when I see that because, Shake normally doesn't you know, do stuff like that at least so far in the series, and Drippy has to turn him down because he's so sick. But then he won't let Drippy go on his chair. He won't let him like sit in his chair while while Shake is out running amuck. Shake is like telling Drippy he's better without the ranch, which is just really messed up because he's like, hey, I'm eating you, and you actually taste better by yourself. Does you know that? Like, I guess at least he's trying to be nice. That's how I feel like with steak. I can't fathom putting steak sauce on my steak. I think that's probably... I guess you would do that for maybe cheap steak or like steak that's not good. That would make more sense. Um, growing up, my dad put steak sauce on his steak. but I don't know that we had steak a whole lot. And if we did, I don't think it was very good of steak because I remember growing up not liking steak. Um, and I grew up very poor, so that would make sense that it wasn't like the best quality. Maybe That's why he had a mask it with, with A1 steak sauce. But when I make like a ribeye now, it's like, dude, I don't want anything on this. I just want to taste like the meat itself. So I guess that's kind of how I feel. Um, or I, I can relate to what, what Master Shake is talking about with, oh, you taste just better by yourself. Poor Drippy, though, is too sick to go outside and run amuck with Shake. Which, again, I'm still shocked that Shake asked him that. And Shake just runs outside, which is such a kid thing. That's like a, something that kids do. Is it's like, oh, I'm going to go outside and play. Just go outside and do whatever. Um I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just cuz ever since I've been an adult I've just been like a homebody, but so maybe maybe some some adults are doing that too, but to me that's just such like a kid thing. He just goes outside and instantly he finds a a flyer for wings in the middle of the street and runs out to grab it. But remember what your mama always said, don't play in the street because you might get hit by a car.
3: A
0: free flyer.
1: Wow! <laughs> Shake. No. Hey, look at this. <laughs> Six wings for $6.95. Free delivery. <laughs> That's oh. Awesome. Who's hungry? No. You're hungry? Shake. Just standing in the road looking at this wing flyer when there is a semi truck hurling down the road, which is crazy. You wouldn't think semis would be on this road, but I guess, I guess so. And yeah, it's honking. and They actually do really well with these action shots here for how low budget the show is and like how minimalistic this is. I I think they did a really good job with conveying the danger of this semi-truck coming down. Drippy sees it through the window and he just runs out, hits Shake out of the way and dies. He sacrifices his life basically again because he's already letting Shake eat him. But yes, he, he sacrifices his life for Shake and we are then taken to the pool where we are debriefing again, you know, this classic Aqua Teen ending the episode in the pool thing, and Shake is, he's eaten a big bucket of wings that he bought from the ad he found in the road. And I'd like to point out that they can only go in the pool. The pool is only clean because of Drippy, who just gave his life. So let's let's see how Shake feels about that. Look, he pushed me. He pushed you
3: out of the way of that truck.
0: Listen. He's in a better
2: place. He's in the
3: grill of the truck.
2: He was my best friend.
0: Yeah, well, then you should know something. When he was pushing me, he mentioned something about not liking <laughs> oh, me. I, I clearly heard that. Really, really? That stuck out.
2: <laughs> well, I guess I'll have one of those runs, then. <laughs>
1: Give me one.
0: here, fetch. Where's the meat? This is a bone. Go make a doll out
1: of that. So poor Meatwad has the saddest look on his face when we open it on the scene. And then Shake tells him that he, he that Drippy didn't like him, which I, I, it's mean, and Shake is trying to be mean. But also, I guess in a way, it's kind of nice because that way Meatwad won't dwell on like, oh, my best friend is dead. It's like, oh, well, he didn't really like me anyways. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, obviously, I'm looking too much into it. But I guess that, that in that moment, it, it eased up Meatwad's mind because then he's like, oh, well, I guess I'll just have one of those wings, which Shake proceeds to... Throw an already eaten like wing bone onto the ground. As yet, he, he has like the full bucket of wings that like, he'd easily give Meatwad one, but of course he's not going to. He also has a uh, barbecue sauce all over his face, which is funny. Um, but yeah, yeah, he, he the episode ends with Shay telling Meatwad to make a doll out of that, and that is Old Drippy, season one, episode seven. So this was an interesting episode in a big. A big departure from everything we've seen up until now. This is the first episode where we get to see what the Aqua Teens do when there is no villain, no enemy, no threat at all. You know, like I was kind of playing with at the beginning of of the episode. You might think, oh, maybe old Drippy's bad in some way, but he wasn't. He was wholly good and he was just there, you know, to be nice and help people. He wasn't like the Bus of the Undead episode where Moth Monster Man you, you think is nice until... He lays all his eggs in Carl's esophagus. A lot of times, these creatures—they're nice to the Aqua Teens, but then they end up having this like thing that they do that ends up hurting people. But Old Drippy didn't have anything like that at all. I guess if if you don't count him accidentally taking Carl's cutout, which you know isn't really that big of a deal. And we get to see what the Aquatines do under that situation, because all we've seen up until now was them either dealing with villains or like in Balloonenstein they were dealing with the threat of Bluenstein, who wasn't really a villain. It was just an inanimate object. You know, nothing really crazy happens in this episode outside of Old Drippy coming to life. Other than that, it's just all slice of life, which you get a lot of from the show. And I think is what really drove me to the show and why I love this show so much. Of course, I love the wacky villain episodes and stuff, but my favorite episodes off the top of my head are the ones where, like, it's it's just the Aqua Teens hanging out. Of course, this episode had Old Drippy in it, but, like, there are some episodes where it's just three aquatines and Carl, and that's the whole episode. So I, I kind of gravitate more towards those those absurdities that they get into with just the four of them hanging out. Because obviously, the villains can take them to really absurd places. But for me, it's just when they're hanging out at home and just being really fucking funny. That's That's what I love most about this show. So in seven episodes, we've seen the metamorphosis from a detective show where food products solve mysteries to... A slice of life kind of just buddy comedy where these characters hang out at home. I think the most underdeveloped character so far is Shake. All I really have to say about him over and over again is that he's an asshole. But I do really come to love his character later on in in, this, in the series once they develop him a bit more. Because he's not always just, just the asshole who is meant to kind of be the villain for the episode. Like It seems like his purpose a lot of the time is just to move the plot in a negative direction, which I don't find as appealing. Of course, I you know I, I wouldn't say change his personality. It's just like these plot points which kind of require him to do it, which just kind of makes me dislike him because I like Frylock and I like Meatwad a lot. So when it's just Shake shitting on these two characters that I like, it kind of gets old. And when he's just beating up Meatwad all the time, that gets old too. And I'm assuming that you guys like Meatwad as well at the very least. So once they do more with Shake's character than just beating up Meatwad, that's where I think he shines more like, yeah, he's, he's always like a dick to him and that's fine. For example, like in kidney car, they're both kind of fighting over this car, but it's, it's like they're like brothers fighting instead of just one guy picking on somebody else, which him picking on me, what can be funny. It's just like, you know, his character just seems really one note, especially in this episode, which, which gets old for me. But yeah, sorry, I'm going on a tangent. I, again, I, I, I love Shake. I'm, I'm not saying I dislike Shake. It's just in these episodes, I think they do more with him later on, which I like more. But Old Drippy, Season 1, Episode 7, we had Todd Field playing Old Drippy. His performance here I thought was good. I don't know who else I would have preferred to play this. He just does a good good job of like a mild-mannered, quiet kind of guy. And I like that it's not somebody super recognizable. Even though he is a big actor, he's probably one of the biggest actors they've had on the show, but he's just, I don't think did a whole lot of comedy. It was a lot more of like drama acting and stuff like that. So yeah, super interesting the way that he got involved. At least I assume, you know, it's not like I was able to talk to him. If he wasn't in the middle of shooting his first movie in like 15 years, I might have tried to reach out to him via email to maybe get some answers, but I assume he's just so busy right now. I'm not going to bother. So, old Drippy. Honestly, guys, the first time I watched this episode in preparation for the podcast, I didn't like it. I was like, oh, this is boring. I can tell this was like supposed to be a B-plot, at least again, I assume. But when I really broke it down for these scenes, I appreciated it a lot more. And, you know, I mean, you guys heard me laughing throughout the podcast. All those laughs are genuine. I'm not just, like, pretending to laugh at them. So, I actually enjoyed it more doing for this podcast. But I think I'm going to go with my original gut reaction here and maybe give it, like, Three and a half Arrow cheese cans out of five. It's it's a good episode. It's definitely far from their worst. But I I definitely don't think it's near the top. It's nice that Meatwad got like a good episode here. He got a friend. But yeah, I feel like they do this kind of thing better in later episodes. So yeah, three and a half out of five. Still not a bad score at all. So before... I end the episode, I do have to talk about the fact that this is the first episode with an animated credits at the end. So before it would just be the credits over a black screen and white text. Now we have the images we're familiar with. So let me just talk about that real quick for you. I realized that I never even played the outro song. So let me play the outro now before I played the, the Moon and Night Death March outro. But yeah, here is the typical original outro for Aqua Teen Hunger Force. At least before they changed the name a bunch of times. Alright, so the music itself is just kind of like a rework of the intro music with Dana Snyder's Dancing is Forbidden Line cut up over it. So that kind of immortalizes the line. I think without this, dancing is forbidden wouldn't be as big of a phrase as, as it is because he only says it once, you know? Or I, I guess he says it later on, but for the majority of the show's run, he only says it in the first episode. So I think it's just that it's been repeated and repeated in this outro is what kind of made it as big as it is. But yeah, visually, so we start off with the Sphinx in Egypt and it's drinking out of a giant cup. Then we see Egyptian hieroglyphics featuring the Aqua teens. Then we cut to the Aqua Teens in like pods connected to some sort of apparatus that's being like piloted by Abe Lincoln. I don't really understand the purpose of it, but yes. Then Lincoln is sending the Aqua Teens off in a wooden rocket. We then cut to the Aqua Teens in space in said rocket. And then the rocket crashes on the moon and we see Meatwad growing long hair while Shake and Frylock grow long beards. So they've been there a long time. We see they have a fire pit for cooking food, which obviously you can't start a fire on the moon. Um, But a a rock is tied to the stick like over the fire pit as opposed to something edible. So, I mean, earlier in this episode, Meatwad does say that Shake eats sand. And in future episodes, we see that Meatwad eats sand. So I guess that could kind of make sense, right? They could grind it up into sand and eat it. So while we don't see the Moonanites on the moon, we do see an astronaut behind them who is looking at the teens kind of assume that he brings them back to Earth. And then finally, we see the Aqua Teen Hunger Force just chilling in Carl's pool. So that's that's it. Um, you know, I don't want to look too much into it. Obviously, they kind of recreate this in the movie. So we'll talk about it once I get around to doing a movie podcast for the first Aqua Teen movie. Obviously, I'll do the new one as well. And I, when when the new one comes out, I do plan to do it when it comes out. I, I won't wait until I'm done with everything. So like, let's say we're into season I don't know four or whatever I'll take a break from the episodes and start releasing like chunks about the movie or or, or any other Aqua Teen content that comes out so yeah that's that's the that's the outro glad I could finally talk about it I didn't realize it took seven episodes for them to actually include it but hey it's there it's rocking and rolling it's classic we all love it so guys that's it for me thanks for listening to dancing is forbidden if you'd like to contact me check the show notes below I Trust in your confidence to find me if you need to. Please send more voice messages, speakpipe.com slash dancing is forbidden, or check the show notes. I am fresh out. I got nothing. And if, you know, if we don't get any more, that's fine. I can just not include it in the next episode. But if you got something to say, your Aqua Teen origin story, your thoughts about the podcast, your thoughts about Aqua Teen, the show as a whole, or if you have like a favorite episode, talk about that favorite episode and I'll include it in that episode's episode, I guess. I, I use episode like so interchangeably on this show, it gets even confusing for me because I'm talking about Aqua Teen episodes. I'm talking about podcast episodes. Holy moly, it's a mess. Anyways, yes, thank you for listening. If you like the show, the number one thing you could do to support the show would be to share it, to let other people know. Because to put it frankly, the bigger the show gets, the more interested those involved with Aqua Teen will be to talk to me and to be a part of the show. I would love to interview people who have been on the show. And the bigger my numbers are, the bigger the stats are, the more downloads that we get, the more likely that they will be to want to come on and answer any questions that we have for them. So yes, share the show. If you're in any Aqua Team groups or whatever, just say, hey, have you heard of this podcast? This guy's talking for an hour and 15 minutes about this 11-minute episode. That's pretty cool. So yes, guys, thank you so much for listening. The best thing you could do is obviously just keep listening along so that I'm not talking here for no reason. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful week. Have a fantastic week. Have a beautiful week. And I'll talk to you next week when we talk about Season 1, Episode 8, Revenge of the Moondanites. Surprised to see these guys back so quick. All right, guys. See you later.